All right. Entry number two. I had an interesting night last night. The sun just did three X-class solar flares, or CMEs, no, solar flares, with no CMEs, which I didn't know was possible, meaning I thought all solar flares ejected corona, coronal mass ejection. But it turns out they can be like self-contained in a weird way, which is really probably a really good thing because three X-class in a row um, would have probably done some uh, some damage in an interesting way. But I'm watching the sunspot. I don't talk about this stuff a lot, but I'm obsessed with uh, I'm obsessed with the sun, as should you be, as you should be as well, because it's this big thing in the sky that is very very uh, influential on our consciousness, on our physiological. Um, neurological up what am i trying to say it can affect pretty much everything so what was interesting about last night is that i started having this really interesting feeling in my heart um it was kind of like i had done some sort of psychedelic where i felt my heart like opening up and i was like this is a weird feeling i didn't recognize it and weirdly enough i was like i wonder if there was a like, I wonder what the KP index is right now. I wonder if there's an electromagnetic storm. There wasn't, but there happened to have been just maybe 20 minutes prior that X-class, the third X-class solar flare, which is the largest solar f flare there's been in, I think, over six years, which is really interesting. Um, and I was like, I wonder if the radiation off of that, because you do get bombarded, I think, with... Um, with very quick particles, but no, no mass, no, uh, there's no, you know, like the mass, if it's a coronal mass ejection, it takes like three days or something like that. But I think the other stuff takes like eight minutes or whatever. So anyway, um, it was really interesting. And I was in this very bizarre space. Um, and I dreamt all night about being a being of light and that like a light photon or neutron or whatever from the sun like this is my dream it was like it moves through space but it has like a like an electron moving through a circuit it if you create specific interesting circuitry that electron moving through it starts to turn things off and on, off and on, off and on, and you can create a goddamn computer. Um, and in a similar way, I was like, uh, um, in my dream, I was like, oh, we're just computers, but it's the different, um, a different uh, foundation. It's not an electron, it's like a neutron. Something that lacks charge. But they, I think they behave quite similarly in context of like we are really complex on and off switches. Um, we're a very complex binary form uh, that, so I was like seeing this evolution of, of circuitry over time. Like the amoeba, it's very simple binary circuitry, I mean relatively. And that 
the neutrino or whatever it is that is programming or I would say even um, turning things off and on that has been consistent over our whole evolution but there's some aspect of it that's mutative that then builds more and more complex circuitry um, this is really hard to explain. I haven't talked about this yet. That's why I'm making this. Is this. These are the types of thoughts I think about and I often just keep them to myself because I'm like, how, how the hell am I going to try to explain this? Because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Because um, this was a dream, right? But but what was interesting about it is that the the complex form was an illusion, meaning like this whole reality is being programmed by this light. Um and that the light itself is maybe like consciousness and it programs this whole thing. And so we exist within this simulation. And, and, and I think it, what, what's really interesting about this stuff is that as we create computers, as we create simulations and as we create AI, we think, oh, we're, maybe we're living in something that humans created in the future or you know it looks so similar to our reality because the nature of our reality is that we don't invent anything we're just uncovering the nature of reality meaning as we build computers we think we're all fancy we think we're we're figuring out this stuff but we're really just fractaling um the nature of reality into um into new form meaning it's not separate from nature. Computers are natural, which is bizarre to think about. Um, natural, anything that is in this illusion, this maya, is natural in, in context of what we, we call nature. Um, that's my belief, that there, you can't separate from it. And I think that's a great... Um, what I would call flaw of our modern thinking is that there is a separation between us and nature. And this fundamentally goes down deep into why I like Jungian psychology and why I'm really digging human design as well, is that um, this mental separation isn't real. It's an illusion. And the mind separates itself from from the family, from the body, from the parents. Uh, just like a teenager thinks that they know what's best for them, even though they have no experience and they have no wisdom, they reject the parental experience and wisdom, which is part of the growth, meaning like our evolving consciousness needs to go through this teenage time period of the mind thinking that it is smarter than the body but the body has been around here a whole hell of a lot longer the form has been around uh, far before self-reflecting consciousness and so you get this self-reflecting consciousness boom and it's like oh yeah i see what's going on i know what i know what to do and that is where you get disease and neurosis and this intense 
um, control and OCD, uh, the mind is not good at, not as good, I should say, not as good, because it's very good at survival, but it's not as good at surviving as the, the systems that lay underneath the conscious mind. Um, I mean, I would say that they're one and the same, but the self-reflecting awareness is... Um, I, people have been using this word quantum, and I'm starting to understand... Some people are using it in a really interesting way, meaning when something emerges, a whole, from many parts. So, like, your body is like a quantum whole of all of the systems and, bio, like, uh, cells and all the things that um, zoomed in look like their own little thing. So you could say that, uh, you know, the human species on a quantum level is a, is a unit, is a organism. Um, yet all of the individuals, if you zoom in closely, they're like, you know, the atoms that make up, uh, make up this desk or whatever. Where was it going? So this disconnection from the body is where all suffering comes from. The mind creates it all because it wants to be in charge. And we have a society that pushes that paradigm hardcore. Meaning, if you just figure it out, everything will be all right. Um, but this is why billionaires aren't happy. I mean, that's a general overstatement, but I would assume most of them aren't or else they wouldn't have collected so much. It's hoarding. They're hoarders. It's a mental illness. Um, and I don't mean money is a mental illness. I think making money is awesome. Um, and, you know, I plan on making a lot of money. But I'm going to do, like, I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm going to spend it. And I'm going to support my friends who are creating art. And I'm going to um, support entertainment and support growth and consciousness one of the things that's really important to me is to support the evolution of consciousness i can't do anything it's against my moral alignment to impose restrictions on anyone's growth consciously or my own that's essentially the bottom line that's the the top of the hierarchy does it um impede on the expansion of consciousness if so I am not for it. It's been a very useful way to make decisions. Anyway, back to this Jungian approach of reconnecting to the wisdom of the body through through the neuroses. I love that word because neuroses is really just a fancy word for symptoms, which is just a fancy word for a misalignment between body and mind. Uh, and so technically a dream is a symptom or a neurosis. And when we look at it this way, you have to drop the negative connotation. You have to look at um, neuroses as not a negative or a positive thing, but a flag saying, hey, here's the doorway into the issue. Um, and a dream is a doorway into the issue. It has so many different approaches and functions, but like the most simple way to think about it is if I'm... Um, if I'm eating 
something that my body doesn't want. Let's say I'm eating ice cream all day long. I love ice cream. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, but if I'm eating it all day long, every day, I might start having dreams of... I'm trying to think of, <laughs> of what it would be. Of drowning in ice cream. A nightmare. And this is a symptom that is trying to compensate for your conscious behavior. It's saying, and it doesn't speak in the linear left brain, the way the ego and the conscious awareness, the strategic, like, um, very, very linear meaning in time, like sentences exist in time, but the dream doesn't speak that way. It has to use timeless images, symbols, stories, motifs that are symbolic to evoke change, evoke emotion, ev evoke motion. Um, so if, it, if I have a dream of myself drowning in ice cream, I might wake up with a conscious attitude that is deterred from ice cream all of a sudden. It almost like traumatizes you in a way. Um, the dream in, in this specific example. Um, to try to get the conscious mind to step back into balance, to step back into alignment, um, which isn't to say never eat ice cream again. It's it's to bring um, the ego away from polarized activity or beliefs or whatever it might be. Uh, this this nature of the compensating unconscious mind, which is I just see it as the body, the intelligence of the body. But not only the body, but the species also, the DNA, um, the, the, I would say like the, the ancestors, the bloodline, the, the um, intelligence of mutations, successful mutations over time that sort of log all of the information within your DNA and just have thousands and thousands of years of information within them. Very intelligent stuff. Our ego only has, mine only has 32 years of information. Imagine how much my DNA has. Uh, it's brilliant. Anyway, so this compensating nature of the, of the ego, or sorry, of the unconscious mind, of the dream, um, if you ignore your dreams long enough, they'll start, exp um, they'll start manifesting like... Um, OCD, unconscious possession by your unconscious mind. Meaning, you'll get into a loop without having any control over it because it's manifesting from the unconscious mind just like a dream would. Or the most common is somatic pain. Chronic illness is a manifestation of the unconscious mind trying to balance you out and you ignoring it. The more you ignore chronic pain, the more you polarize into whatever caused the pain in the first place. And it doesn't necessarily need to be like bad posture or something. It could be psychological. It's pretty interesting. And this isn't just my idea, by the way. This is all over the place. There's plenty of research going into this type of somatic um, expression of psychology, of the, of the psyche. Anyway, I find this stuff fascinating. But... What's the most fascinating is the compensating nature of everything. And what I mean by that, you could think of it differently. Compensation is like when I go too hard to the left, 
it pulls me right so that I'm back here in the middle. But if you could think of it tipped on its side, you have um, harmonics, you have octaves in a sort of way. Meaning there's a polarity, a north and a south pole. If I go far to the south pole, um, it becomes... Well, this is slightly different because... Like, for instance, with, with, uh, if we go into the ego and we go into cognitive function, let's say the ego really values um, intuition, which is p unconscious pattern recognition, meaning the conscious mind isn't keeping track of the patterns. The, the conscious mind is not keeping track of the patterns. Your body is. And when it deems a pattern important enough, it pushes it up into consciousness and as like an epiphany, an aha moment. And an extroverted version of that, sorry, like every um, loud thing in my house just turned on, but the extroverted version of intuition is that the data, the input being perceived is from the objective outer world, meaning the aha moments come from stimulation via the outer world. Um, and this extroverted intuition, opposed to introverted intuition, wants novelty it wants to feed off of new experiences new ideas new people new stories uh, because it is extroverted it needs its input from the outer world and so this is one this is the north pole of this function let's say but you can't think of it as good and bad here it's not um, there's no morality in the psyche Morality is a social thing. But anyway, um, the opposite. So if that's the North Pole, the South Pole is its opposite, which, first of all, would be introverted and would not be intuition, but would be sensation. Introverted sensing is the South Pole of extroverted intuition. And the reason is because when I'm constantly seeking extroverted novelty to stimulate my unconscious pattern recognition, what I'm not doing is looking at my past. I'm not looking at the patterns that bubble up in my past. I'm not looking, up, I'm not looking at creating routines because routines prevent me from novelty. So there is an atrophying effect in this function. The more I lean into extroverted intuition, the less... I'm using introverted sensing until, okay, so, so this is just to, to describe the polarizing effect of the psyche. If I'm leaning into a specific value, there is a polarized value. Um, and introverted sensing is looking at the past and a sort of extracting meaning through your history, your memories extracting meaning out of what has been consistent over your life. Somebody that, um, you know, went to the guitar every time they were depressed their entire life, they're going to have this meaningful connection with the guitar. They might not have any good reasons why the guitar resonated with them so much, but when, when they look back, they see all of these meaningful memories and the growth within that relationship of the guitar. 
And it is sort of uh, cyclical, meaning it's a weird, there's a weird relationship between intuition and pattern recognition and then introverted sensing and, and sort of meaning in a specific pattern. Extroverted intuition is looking for new patterns and meaning comes oftentimes from novelty and from epiphany. And it's the introverted sensing is the opposite, where it's finding meaning in old patterns, the same patterns. Um, so back to the compensation aspect of this stuff. When I develop my extroverted intuition, like when I really lean into that, for my first 25 years of my life, 30 years of my life, my introverted sensing is kaput. What that looks like is somebody that's just running around, looking for novelty, running out of new experiences and becoming um, chaotic, becoming detached, no roots, no, I, I often say they blow over in a, in a windstorm because they have no roots. This was me, by the way. I'm a dominant extrovert intuitive. Um, and so what happens is that there needs to be a compensation for that polarized attitude, that polarized value. And so what, what naturally happens if you're aligned with your body is that you start to infuse and look for patterns and meaning in the, in the mundane, in the routines. It's almost as if that novelty seeking gets so bored that all of a sudden it starts looking for novelty within the repetitiveness. Where can I extract newness in the sameness here how can i make brushing my teeth every single day a new experience every time so this is kind of complex stuff but what i'm looking at here is that this differentiated value system of extrovert intuition then turns around and pulls the other value out of the unconscious mind out of the water and what i've been thinking a lot about is that if i don't have a developed function on dry ground in consciousness in my ego that's capable of turning around and pulling out other functions into the conscious mind from the unconscious mind then i'm just steeping in unconsciousness meaning if i've never developed excuse me if i've never developed any of my cognitive functions i will not be able to pull any of them into consciousness so the fundamental starting point for healthy psychology is the development of the ego. This is where spiritual, new age spirituality, I think, gets it really wrong because if someone does not have a well-developed ego and then they're diving into ayahuasca, diving into unconsciousness, they're going to have a really hard time integrating that experience back into the ego. And what happens is that they either continually seek out obliviation, obliteration, um, which ends in death, always. Someone seeking oblivion will always, and, and you can think of that also as like the mother, the womb, returning to oneness. There's nothing evil about this. Um, it's a common theme in our world, people wanting to return to the mother. But um, So if they can't integrate their experience of oblivion, by having strong, developed functions in their ego, um, the other option is like schizophrenia, full-blown psychosis. 
where the ego doesn't come back together. Once, once it's ripped apart by whatever drug you did, you come, the drug wears off and all of a sudden you realize, oh shit, there is no dry ground here. I experienced this a little bit, but I think tobacco actually helped me a lot in my past of um, bringing back the ego. The, the tobacco plant has profound masculine energy. And this is what you get an overly solidified ego with heavy smokers. Um, there's a balance to everything, right? But anyway. So this compensating nature of the psyche, I've been diving into it here because it's also how everything works. It's a fundamental principle at the bottom of everything, that there's always compensation. There's compensation in the psyche, there's compensation within society. If you've got capitalism that's um, tyrannical in its value of efficiency and op system optimization, um, management of resources, um, of time, saving everyone time, it became the most important thing ever. Uh, saving everyone, you know, all of these companies are building systems to save people time and money and all this stuff, um, but then you have to go work for the systems anyway, so you just, it's like this weird feedback loop. It's not inherently evil, it's just tyrannical and so what happens in the compensation, unconsciously this happens, is that you get a generation full of individuals, full of um, a polarization of, I'm not a system, I am a, I'm not a cog in your system, I am an individual with my own gender and my own beliefs and my own ideas. And this is a polarization. Um, it's a pendulum swing. Meaning, there's a happy middle between all of this, right? Um, the middle way. Uh, this pendulum swinging is profound in, in the social psychology, but you can see this, you can see it everywhere. Um, you can see it within any system. And once you can start to see this compensation, things start to make a lot more sense. You can start to understand people a lot better too when you can see someone's polarization you immediately know where their weakness is or their atrophied value it's not necessarily like i want to stress that it's not a moral thing like uh i don't think capitalism is evil i don't think that extroverted thinking which is what capitalism really values is evil it's one of my favorite things. Um, but when it hasn't found the middle ground between introverted feeling, which is that authenticity in the individual and the system that is made up of individuals, if, it doesn't, if we don't find a happy middle ground between those two things, they will fall. They always fall. If I go so far right, eventually it collapses. There's nothing to hold it up. So... It's not about morality, it's about sustainability. And the middle way is always sustainable. So the, the development of the ego in context of these cognitive functions isn't about getting one that's really, really developed. It's about getting one that's on dry ground so that it can turn around and pull all of the other ones out of 
the unconscious, out of the ocean, out of the water. And then what you have is a cognition that is capable of whatever it needs to do at any given time. And yes, you'll still have favorites. You'll still have functions that make you feel really good. Um, but you'll be capable of using the other functions consciously. The nature of the unconscious and conscious is so funny because if I have a cognitive function I'm using consciously and then I need to use its opposite that is completely unconscious, let's say, what happens is that it's not that you can't use it, it's that while you're using it, you're unconscious. Meaning you don't have full awareness around your capacity to use this function. And so what happens is you project all over everybody, you are unconscious of what you're doing, you make mistakes, you do all these different things. Um, Like for instance, if I had introverted feeling in my unconsciousness, undifferentiated from unconsciousness. This is the function that values authenticity. It values morality and subjective morality, not ethics, not what do you think, what do you think, but what do I think? And if I have that unconscious and I see somebody using it, you automatically say narcissist. Uh, You automatically project your unconsciousness onto that person. Oh, that person's self-centered. Oh, that person doesn't take into consideration anybody else, but it's so black and white because it's underdeveloped, because it doesn't have consciousness, like a child doesn't have consciousness, I mean, well-developed, um, your, your unconscious functions work like a unconscious child. They are childish. And then you see someone's unconsciousness come to light when they're being childish, when they are lacking nuance in their perspective, when they're lacking the capacity to see the depth behind somebody else's individual experience, um, or when they feel threatened by somebody else's experience that has nothing to do with them. Anyway, I think I'm going to stop there. This is uh, 30 minutes feels good to me, and uh, maybe more sustainable for me. So, um, Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to work with this stuff, by the way, I do one-on-one coaching and you can book with me. Um, You can book one at a time. I've noticed that I've had like 60 clients in the last six months. And um, what I've noticed is that the ones that stick around and do like 10 sessions are transformed for the rest of their life. They have tools that they can continue to use. The people that do one to four sessions They gain a lot out of it, but they don't become self-sustainable. My goal is not for you to become dependent on me, but to become self-sustainable. And so if you are interested in working with me, I would recommend um, committing to um, as many as 10 to 12 sessions and then um, you know, that doesn't mean you'll be completely self-sustaining. Like I still go to my therapist every few months when I, um, want some perspective on something, right? Like life isn't about isolation, but, um, it could be really helpful to know how to work through the mundane on your own or like a dream on your own. It's very helpful to talk out loud about dreams, though, because just hearing them back will give you new perspective. And it's all about jarring the ego's perspective. That's what the whole point of the dream is. Um, And it's about emotion. Anyway, love you.
take it easy. See you next time.